Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Well, 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 good morning, Mosaic. Okay, man, we can do better than that. Good morning. How are we feeling this morning? The sun is out. The sun is out and it's uh, uh, shining on my uh, black magic skin. And it feels so good. You all have a great pastor. I mean, he loves people so much that he tells you just to find a random kid off the street and put him in your car and bring him to church. Man, he'll do anything for the gospel. <laughs> good morning. Uh, they call me Pastor T. Um, I am the pastor of U City, the church, and uh, this is my maybe third, fourth time here, and you guys are now family. You guys are family, and we love you. Uh, Y'all are like a big sister to us. Um, Love uh, Naeem, Pastor uh, Naeem and Ashley. They are um, incredible people, and so I am honored uh, uh, just to be here this morning. A little about myself. I have been married uh, for about nine years, I think. Um, and so my wife is not here this um, morning. My son is sick, so she I c- can neither confirm nor deny if we have been married for nine years. But I think that's right. Nine years. I have a six-year-old son. His name is uh, Roman. He is the cutest tyrant you will ever meet. Now, he is a great kid. He is a gift from uh, God. And so we are um, in week three of how to, but I'm going to speak about how to not read the Bible or treat the Bible. That is my assignment this morning. I hope I uh, uh, can actually stick to it, but I'm excited for the next one hour that y'all have me. 90 minutes tops. That's it. I'm joking. I'm joking. I will be <laughs> kicked off this stage. Let me um, start, and, and, and I would love to pray for us, and then we can just dive in. Father, you are amazing, God. You are amazing. You are our God. You are our King. You are, you are our Lord. God, I am so thankful that the gospel is that you are with us. But I am also thankful that you are not me and that you are holy and that you are apart from me. God, this is good news for us 
all. Thank you. We ask that your Holy Spirit, that your living spirit is here and that uh, you give me the words to say. Father, if I say the wrong thing, I hope that you block it from these people's ears. And God, I um, am, am so thankful that if I stand up here and butcher this message, you do not love me less. And that is a high possibility. But God, I am so thankful that if this is the best message in the world, you do not love me more. But you love me just the same. Help my identity just to be in you this morning and not what I do. Father, help us just have a love for your word, your scriptures. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Week two of how to not read the Bible. And here's, and I just have a few thoughts. And, and, and a thought is, I think that we read the Bible or we treat the Bible either like an escalator or a ladder. We treat the Bible either like an escalator or a ladder. What do I mean by that? I was in the mall in, in uh, Houston, Texas, like uh, uh, one of the biggest malls. And, and there was a store on like the third floor that I wanted uh, just to go to. And, and I did research on it. And so me and my wife and my son are walking in the mall and we said, hey, hey, this store says it's, it says on this map that the store is way over there on the other side of the mall. Well, I'll say, hey, how about this? Let's, let's just find, so what uh, uh, do we do? We find an escalator to, uh, so that we uh, can go up. And so thinking there is one near, it actually was not. It was actually on the other side of the mall, five miles the other way. And so, and so me and my family walk five miles, and I'm like, why is this? Why is this escalator all the way over here? There are hundreds of stores in here with one escalator. Doesn't even make sense. And so we are walking to the other side of the mall, and we finally get to the escalator. Here's the thing about the escalator. That escalator is not where I wanted it to be. It was an inconvenience for me. And for some of us, the Bible, we know if we actually read it, it is an inconvenience for ourselves. Sometimes it's hard just to read. Sometimes you you avoid it because you feel convicted. Because it's, it says that you should do something a better way. There's a loving rebuking of yourself, and that does not feel good. And so we get to the escalator, and what I notice about this escalator is that you are invited to step on. And there's a rhythm to it. There is no one blocking you. There is nothing that you have to set up that anyone can step on the escalator and just ride up. That is somewhat like the Bible as well. Like, you can just step on 
and take a ride. Now, here's the thing. So, so we finally found an escalator. So we, are, so we were invited on. So we on. So we stepped on, and we are taking a ride up. How many of you know that you don't touch the rails on the escalator? Just ride. I tell my son all the time. The first thing he does, step on, and he's like, uh, no. That's nasty. We don't touch the rails on the escalator. And so we are riding up, and I'm like, how happy. So we finally found an escalator. I'm going to get to my store. And so the escalator goes up, and, it, and we exit at a particular location. Guess where that a, a, a location was? Not in front of the store. Not even close to it. So we had to walk from the other side of the mall, go to the escalator, go up the escalator, and then walk all the way to the middle of the mall. Isn't that annoying? Why isn't the escalator where I wanted it to be at any moment? I need it where I am. But that's the thing about the Bible. You are invited to take a ride, but you cannot determine where it's going. You cannot uh, determine where you want to get off. It places you where it was always going. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. I wanted my selfish destination. Man, if this could just land right in front of the store, uh, this would be great. Nope. It placed me where it always went. And so that's the escalator, but sometimes we treat the Bible like a ladder as well. Now, I, um, me and my wife uh, uh, recently bought a house, and I was cleaning out our old house, and I was in the attic above the garage, and there was things everywhere. So I went and got one of my ladders. I set it down, and I just shook it a little bit. So that's kind of wobbly, but it's okay. And so I set it down, and so I'm going up the ladder in a, and to my attic, and, I'm, and I am bringing down stuff. And, and, and I am bringing down stuff. All of a sudden... Um, I am like in the attic and halfway and I'm standing on the ladder and the ladder gets too wobbly and it falls over. And I'm just hanging down and I'm calling my wife, Kimba! Kimba, don't you hear me? Help me, please. And I'm calling and, and I'm calling and I'm calling her and she walks out and she's not even surprised. She just stands there like, ah, oh, look at this. And so she finally gets uh, the ladder slowly and sets it up, and, and I walk down. Here is the thing about that. We treat the Bible like a ladder because we can take the ladder and place it where we want to. 
But how many of you know that where you place the ladder may not be the best place for it? That is what I did. I got the ladder and I placed it down where I thought was firm foundation. But it was not, and therefore it failed me. The Bible disappoints you because only you choose where to place it. We use it for ourselves. We weaponize it for ourselves. The Bible says this. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me so I can do this, but no context of, of that scripture was written when, when someone was in jail trying to survive and felt the strength. It wasn't this glorious moment it wasn't a, a, a triumphant moment. It was, I have the strength in this moment to get through this. A lot of us treat the Bible like uh, the ladder, placing it where we want it. But we should more so use it as an escalator. Like It is what it is. It takes you where... It is going, and you are invited to ride. We are going uh, just to look at this passage in 2 uh, Timothy 3 and 16. And I just want to walk through this verse because I want us uh, just to remind ourselves, like, what is the Bible and why does the Bible exist? This, these are the, are the two a questions I want to harp on. What is the Bible and why does the Bible exist? So how do we find that answer? Where is it? In the Bible. And so we are going uh, 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 to look at the Word of God and we are in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Here's, here's what is happening uh, uh, beforehand. Paul is writing to Timothy and told him that in the last days, the last days will be terrible. Now, he's saying that back then. He's thinking that is the last days. And so if he thought that's the last days, guess where we are still in? The last days. And so Paul is saying that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Mm-mm-mm ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, man. Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash. And then Paul makes a final charge to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned. And so this is Paul's charge to Timothy. He says, verse 16, he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
And if we could break this passage down a little bit, it says that the Bible is made up of scriptures and those scriptures are God-breathed words. So what does this mean? Uh, this means something more than saying that, that God inspired the people to write the Bible. Here, here is, I'm just going and, 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 and on a tangent for a second. There are people who, who like ask this question is how come there are missing books in the Bible? I get that all the time as a pastor. They are like, ooh, I'm about to stump him. I'm going to find him. He won't know this question. Okay, I got another one for you. How come there are missing books of the Bible? Therefore, because there are missing books, we cannot trust the Bible. Because humans wrote it. And then I say this. I say, okay, uh, have you wrote a paper before? And they're like, yeah. Have you taken paragraphs out of the paper? And they're like, yeah, well, why did you take the paragraph out? Well, because there was a better way just to write it. Do you think that you taking that paragraph out harms the integrity of the paper? No. Do you think when writing a book, you not choosing a chapter hurts the integrity of the book? No. The reason why you take the chapter out, because it makes it better. Right? And so we humanize God in this way that's very disrespectful, as if God doesn't have control of everything. And so, and so this is... And so that's this argument because people wrote the Bible that the Bible is untrustworthy. But this verse says that the Bible is made up of scriptures and those scriptures are God breathed words. This means something more than saying God inspired the people who wrote it. Although we believe he did, but that it is more to it. That doesn't go far enough. God also inspired the very words they wrote. But that, uh, but there's also more to it. Uh, just to be inspired is uh, uh, to be motivated, uh, just to do something. But there's still room for human error. That's why I love this verse. It says that the words they wrote were breathed by God. You can't breathe wrong. Is, if there's another way uh, just to breathe, please tell me. But you can't breathe wrong. And God has enough power and enough love for us to make sure that nothing is deterring us from steering us in the right direction. He loves us that much, and we ought to trust him that much. And so the Bible is God-breathed words. I heard that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I'm like, man, that's not so basic. Have y'all read it? <laughs> basic? What? Have you read Leviticus? Basic. <laughs> Exodus? Basic. 
No, revelation? Yeah, it's basic stuff. No, it's not. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to decode the words of the Bible. I, uh, before I read uh, the Bible, that is my ask. I say, Holy Spirit, God, decode what is in front of me. And so that I may know your breath. God breathed words. And so that is what the Bible is. And so why does the Bible exist? So if we look in this verse, the Bible exists for uh, rebuking. That sounds harsh. A, a, a correcting and training and righteousness. Well, let's look at the word oh, rebuking simply means telling a person that they are going the wrong way. That is all. How we do that, it can be shameful. Like how we do that, it can hurt someone. And it can deter them from following God. But Oh, a review of buking the simple and say, hey, and you know what? The store is this way and you're going the wrong way. And then it says a correcting. Well, that simply says go the right way. Here is the right way. And, and training in righteousness. And that means just a training and your morality. It's a moral compass. We don't have good moral compasses. That is just the, the truth. Our moral compass is what we want. And no matter how much you fight it, you will fall into your selfishness and what you want. And so the Bible is simply... For, for placing us in the right lane, going the right way with boundaries so that we can reflect the character of God and that it can be morally correct. In the simplest form, that is what the Bible is for. Now, I think that the Bible is for another reason. And, the, and that reason is this. The Bible helps us not to reject God. The Bible reminds us in many ways not to reject God. Have you ever been a rejected? Take a moment. Take a moment, please. This is important. Take a moment. If you don't hear anything I say, this is what I want uh, 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 you to hear and sit in. Have you ever been rejected? Think about it. Think about that moment. Think about that time. How did it make you feel? 
How did it make you feel? I've been a, and a rejected so many times in my life by women. But I was, um, I tried out for the basketball team in middle school and I was rejected seventh and eighth grade. And at a very young age, that doesn't feel good. You may have been rejected by a spouse or a boy or a girl or friends. Like, how did it make you feel? A job opportunity? Like, how did you feel in that moment? Think about that. Hold that for a second. And one of the reasons... Maybe, maybe the only reason why the Bible exists. Like we probably, hear me, this is my words. We may not have a Bible if we have never rejected God. Right? Maybe, I don't know. But there are 72 stories in the Old Testament alone of us rejecting God. You have forsaken me. You have forsaken me. You have forsaken me. There are so many times in the Old Testament that we have rejected God. And so, I was uh, worshiping and, uh, and that was incredible worship, but, but, but I, and I believe God shared some things with me about a rejection. Because it does not feel good. And so imagine, if we felt that way, how does God feel? The being who made you for himself to enjoy you. And yet we continually reject him. The, the people of Israel reject him. Adam and Eve reject him. Continually reject. Peter rejects Jesus. I don't know my mans. Think about if somebody told you in front of you that they didn't know you. And y'all were homies family or rejected Jesus. There are so many passages in the Bible that have rejected, that it shares that they have rejected God. And guess what the Bible does? The Bible shares those rejections and what happens when you reject God. We reject God to accept ourselves. That is, that, is, that is why we reject God, uh, because we reject ourselves. I, was, I stepped out uh, uh, like in worship, and, and, and um, I was just thinking, and, and, and I believe God uh, was showing me or telling me why we uh, reject him. And, and, and I believe one of the reasons why we reject God is that he doesn't meet our expectations. That he doesn't meet our expectations. It's weird because 
we may think that our expectations are higher than God. But whenever we say, so whenever he doesn't meet our expectations, it's only because our expectations are over here and he's way over here. There's no hierarchy. It's, it's, it's a complete miss. And we expect, we think that we expect more, but what we actually expect is something different. If you don't hear anything I am saying this morning, is where are you rejecting God in your life, in your day today? Where are you not letting God enter in your moments of work and family, your heart, your mind? Where are you rejecting God in your relationship? Are you choosing yourself over him? And if you think back to how it made you feel, that is probably 1% of how it makes God feel. Because of his love for you. Because his want for you, his desire for you. Because he loves you. That's the whole reason why he sent his son, Jesus, or he came as his son, Jesus, is so that he can be with you. With you. When he didn't have to be. But he wanted uh, to be close, have conversations, hang out, recline at the table. God left this incredible place just to come and sit sit with us at this dingy table with food with no seasoning that's not even cooked well Jesus is just eating it like uh, yeah oh I love you do you, do you know uh, when uh, someone is not uh, doing something well and they're not cooking well and you ate their food, I say, this is my go-to. If you hear this from me, you know what this means. So, man, you have an incredible heart. That's what I say. If that's something that they did was not good, and I'm like, oh, my God, your heart is just, it's incredible. I can see it. So that helps you not just to lie but still build them up, you know? That's a tangent too. Here's here's the thing. The Bible is God's story. And God, like an escalator, invites us into his story, his story, history, history, his story. And whenever We invite God into our life, into our hearts. A lot of times we say, all right, now, God, you may not verbally say this, but but your posture is now, God, you work for me. You are in me now. I need you to do what I want you to do. And that is not how it works. That is not how the Bible 
works. The Bible is an escalator that is going somewhere and God is inviting you to take a ride. You do not dictate where it goes or where it lands, how fast it goes, what is the pace of it. You just enjoy the ride and let it take you and to trust God, let it take you to where it needs to take you. Convictions, joy, peace, every, the Bible problem solves everything. So I'm going just to end with this. How do you not read the Bible? How do you not treat the Bible like it's your story? But it's his story. And he is inviting you into it. And it's this love story. It's this love story of how and he's sharing with us his journal of how he is loved and then rejected and rejected and that he hopes uh, to be loved but he's uh, uh, rejected. He's writing in his, his journal how he wants uh, to be loved and seen, but he's still rejected. He writes in this journal of, of like how he wants uh, to spend time with you, yet you don't want to spend time with him. He's writing in this journal of how he wants to be with you in you, yet you don't want him to. And, and then he does this final act. He sends his son, Jesus, and he says, no, I want to be with you. This is my last. This is my last showing of how I want to be with you. So he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus not only died for you, he died as you. And that there is now no separation between you and God because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And so, you may be feeling like you have rejected God in some way. You may feel the result of rejecting God. But this is my plea, is to turn your face towards him in that area. Because you will see that he, that you can feel his breath on your face. We, we are looking left. God's face is right. And as soon as we turn, we see his face right here. He's not far. He's always pursuing you, always wanting you. Although we reject him, he follows you closely, waiting for the moment where you will accept him. And he says, oh, I'm here. 
I'm here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. We got it. I'm here. He's close. This is what the Bible shows us over and over again, is that he's close, and that he's with you, and that he's pursuing you. So if uh, we may stand. You may be at a place where you feel far from God. You may be in a place that there's something separating you from God. Whether, whether it's anger, whether you blame him for something. But we have a moment right now to respond to what God is doing in your heart and maybe how he's tugging on your heart. There are three places in here. There's the, the cross, there are candles, and there is a, a communion. And as we sing this song, feel free just to respond in any way. To this very thing that God loves you and that he is close that if you would just turn your face to him he is right there thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte North Carolina for more audio and video content visit us at mosaicchurch.tv